This is the pod of Rosedale intro song. Kinda sucks, but it's all we got. Hello, 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 and welcome to the pod of Rosedale. Eric, Eric, Eric. It's here. It's, uh, it's here. I can't believe it. So pumped. Counting down the days. I've been counting down the days for a very, very long time. But do you have plans? Are you going to actually watch the game on Thursday? Can you handle seeing your Gophers take an early season loss? I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, it's nice that it's Thursday night. I like the Gophers have had this for the last couple of years where they start the season on a weeknight. I like that. I think I like more of that. You know, usually, you know, college football is a Saturday thing, but I like the early season games starting on weeknights. So it's good. Yeah, I try to imagine. I don't know if Iowa's ever had a Thursday night game. They have a Friday night one this upcoming season, but that's super rare for Iowa. It just hardly ever happens. But man, I imagine being a student. It's like Thursday night. Oh man, get out of classes. Gonna get stupid. The Hawkeyes don't play a lot of night games, right? I mean, except for the when they'll have those occasional like ESPN night games. But, yeah, they usually have at least one a season, maybe even two. They have more than you yeah. think. They, but they, but they're Saturday nights, and they're oh super fun. Those are. As a student, those were my favorite, not because I got to just go sleep in and then spend a long time just pounding beers before wandering the stadium. And hey, uh, this year, finally, you can get beer at Kinnick Stadium for the first time. So that's going to be extra super-duper fun for the folks there. Is that just at a, like a, one specific concourse, or is it like the whole stadium? You no, know, it used to be a specific section where I think like you had to be in the box seating and one of the big donors, but now anybody anywhere can get booze. Really? Yes. Huh. They got rid of the silly pretension, oh, where it's about the competition. It's not about getting drunk. It's just about respecting our bright young men. Now they, they got... Got the program. Like, there's a lot of money to be made in selling beer. So that was one of the nice things about the Metrodome, is you could get sure. beer there. Oh yes, yes indeed. Because it's not on campus. That's like part of the rules, right? Isn't it? You know, when it's on campus, there's different liquor rules. Yes, that's correct. And uh, I, I don't know what policy change had to happen to eliminate that rule or make an exception, but an exception has been made. So then Saturday, are you going to have to watch the kids so that your wife can watch the other game? Be able to catch a few plays here and there. Yep, she's she's gonna be tuned in, watch the whole game, no matter how close or how big of a blowout it is. She's gonna be watching it. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably take the kids out on a, an adventure somewhere, go to the park or something. Well, I'll try to watch it. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely try to get. I think it'll be a good game. Oh, I'm expecting it to be very very close. I am. So it should be very exciting. I think of, of the two, it'll be the close one. Right. I was and, gonna say in contrast to the Gophers just getting drilled. On Thursday night, it'll actually be a good game. We'll talk predictions later, but I'm I'm psyching myself into not the Gophers winning straight up, but I think they might cover. What? I think, I think they can cover. Well, well, that's let's, crazy. Let, I think you're. We'll get into it. In fact, let's just dive into it now. I'm gonna do a little segment. I'm calling this the skinny. I give you guys the skinny on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hold up, before we dive into it. Did want okay. to give a quick shout out to oh. give Eddie a beer, post it on the website. One of the best posts or comments I've seen, hilarious comment. The, the comment was, the goal of my post is to convince you to make every one of these last 55 minutes and zero seconds. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before, but to people who don't understand that reference, oh, the it's hilarious. That. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, there may be other people who don't, but it's okay. hilarious. It's in reference to... 
the 55 nothing game, one of the most miserable sporting experiences I've ever been a part of. Uh, watching Iowa just completely shred the Gophers, 55 nothing. Didn't score a single point. It was a disaster. But that that comment was priceless and great. And my wife picked up on it and mentioned it to me. She loved it, too. So great job. Give Eddie a beer. And I will say I love the idea of being that petty. Uh, I don't think I have the discipline to make every single podcast <laughs> 85 minutes and zero seconds. If it's if it's under 55 minutes, we'll just have dead air to the, for the rest of yeah. it. Just to make sure it lasts just 55 minutes. How about this? If it works out, it works out. I make no promises, but uh, if I can swing that, I will. Maybe, maybe, maybe for the the pre-Gopher oh. Iowa game, we'll have to just right. get a stopwatch and make sure it's that long. The perfect, yes. Maybe we'll commit to that. There we go. That, that matchup, you can have the, the 55 minutes and zero seconds. Exactly. I will work on that. I'm also not a great editor, so I've got to develop those skills. But, no, that was great. We appreciate all the feedback from anywhere, Twitter, on the article itself, wherever. Always very helpful. We'll try to get this at a louder volume. Bumbling through this, we'll try to make sure you don't have to crank it up to 30 in your car or whatever to be audible. But this is the skinny. Let's talk about Ohio State and, and how they're, they're geared. In this segment, I'm going to dive into first the offense, then the defense, and I'm going to start position group, and I'm going to start with the position group, just most established, and then work down on the priority list. It doesn't mean that every position group that's on the bottom is going to suck. This is Ohio State. They're all probably going to be pretty good. It's going to be relative. Position group, though, on offense, most established for the Buckeyes, you have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So, guys, maybe the top two wide receivers drafted in the NFL draft in spring 2022. So that, that pass catching group for the Buckeyes is pretty lethal. They also have Jeremy Ruckt, who is the tight end, who's also going to be drafted most likely next spring. So they have three really excellent options, and probably the other dudes are really great route runners and fast, and they got a bunch of talent all over the place. Not far behind them, they've got a really excellent offensive line, as they do almost every year. They've got left tackle, Thayer Munford, and their right tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere, two excellent tackles who are also expected to be really high draft picks. Maybe they're going to struggle in the interior. They have some new faces. They probably are going to do some shuffling of the line, I would guess, uh, as they get some new bodies in there. We'll see, but I'd expect there to be plenty of time to pass. Big holes for the running backs. And running backs probably going to be a bit of a committee. Master Teague is back. They also have uh, the stretcher freshman, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson also. Probably a rotation, probably running back by committee. Eric, I know how much you love running backs. This is an offense where they're just going to have a fast guy in there who's probably really good, but in that offense, it's going to be really easy for those running backs to thrive. And an offense that I don't think is going to revolve around them. And last, we have the quarterback position. Justin Fields is gone. He's now with the Bears, trying to end their decade-long battle with inept quarterback play for them. Might not start, though. Andy Dalton might start, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I see. I'm so enamored with college football. I've paid very little attention to the pro game. So I'll take that at your word. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. Like if you ask me. But never mind. Keep going. I, Sorry. I, I get the the NFL game's a lot more complicated. You know, and I, we're going to get into this because I'm about to talk about C.J. Stroud, the new quarterback for the Buckeyes. Ohio State's got so many awesome dudes all over the place, and they run their like spread option, whatever stuff. There's their spread game. I don't know if they run the option, but they they spread everybody out. They don't have to throw to tight windows, and they have talent advantages at every position. And that just doesn't happen in the NFL. They don't feel like you have to be able to read defenses. You have to be able to read coverages. You have to be able to fit the ball into tighter windows. And I get why you would actually want to, like, hey, Justin Fields is probably not there right now. 
let's let Andy Dalton take the hits. People are going to clamor for Justin Fields. We're going to give him time to get more practices, more reps, more film time. I get that totally. But Andy uh, Dalton, I mean, come on. That's just but crazy. if you're the Bears, you know this isn't probably your year. So, hey, let Andy Dalton, he's going to get smacked around, and then Justin can sit in the background and learn. That, I, I get that. Yeah, he's a, Andy Dalton's a backup quarterback. Not, you're not starting Andy Dalton because you think he's better or he's going to lead you to the Super Bowl. You're starting because you're like, yeah, we just need a guy who can t- get the crap beat out of him and play basic quarterback play while our, our rookie learns. But anyway. Andy, Dalton, Andy Dalton over Kirk Cousins? I know this isn't an NFL podcast. No, no, it's, no, it's fine. If we, we have time for, for this, Eric, I'm happy to talk about your Vikings. <laughs> I think Kirk Cousins is better than Andy Dalton, personally. Yeah. Yes, he is. I think I feel like Kirk Cousins is the exact medium quarterback in the NFL. And this is probably shifting now, but for a long time, I would say he's like right in the middle. If you're worse than Kirk Cousins, you're a below average quarterback. If you're better than Kirk Cousins, you're probably an above average quarterback. If Kirk Cousins, you're right smack dab in the middle. You know, then Dalton's like maybe within 10 other quarterbacks, like less than him, worse than him. Yeah, he's my 23rd, 24th, somewhere in that range. Like, give or take, he's. He's okay. He's not god awful, but yeah, you're probably, he's not leading you to a Super Bowl. He got the pieces right. He can do okay. And, uh, yeah, I think Cousins is a better version than that. I digress. CJ Stroud. He's a redshirt freshman, super duper five star guy. He beat out a bunch of other super duper five star guys to get the starting role. He didn't have any passes last year as a backup. And remember, he's a he, he redshirt, but he can still play in four games. So he did play a little bit of garbage time against Michigan State. He ran for a very smooth sailing. 48-yard touchdown against Michigan State on his first snap. Looks incredibly fast and athletic, and I don't think he's going to have to make a lot of complicated reads. He's going to have a bunch of wide receivers getting wide open for him all the time. They'll roll him out, he'll run. I think he'll be fine. I mean, maybe he takes some lumps early on in actual Big Ten play, but even if he's for some reason terrible, I mean, they have some other awesome dudes right behind him. So I think he'll be fine, but he's the biggest Put him last because I think there he's just the most unknown, and it's possible he he makes some bad reads and bad choices early on that put Ohio State behind the able. I mean, I, I think it's unlikely, but I think there's more of a chance for that than the other position groups. Yeah, Ohio State. I think we can expect last year they were number one with the bullet in the Big Ten in offense, one of the best offenses in all of college football. I would expect that to stay the same. I think they're going to be pretty dynamite at throwing the ball, running the ball. I think they're going to be really tough to contain. So that, I mean, that's where I think the offense. If there's some mystery, though, we get a little bit of Ohio State's less, not terrible, but less excellent on the defensive side of the ball. So as per usual, they have some terror monsters on the defensive line. Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Garrett, all really established. Or one of them's a, a, a rookie who's got insane hype around him. And then another guy, play tackle, nose tackle. All of them are going to be really good, but they've got two defensive ends expected to get drafted in the NFL spring. Super, super talented. Defensive back, they have some holes there. Um, saving Banks is is excellent at the corner position. Josh Proctor is also excellent. Who's going to take the other corner spot still remains to be seen. Probably a guy who's really good, but just not as much talent there. The one area where there's a lot of mystery and a lot of potential for Ohio State to be not amazing is in the linebacker spot. New guys coming in, haven't had a lot of experience playing, playing the position. It's going to be... Uh, a new experience for them, and, and maybe they can make some mistakes. Maybe they'll be out of position. Maybe we'll be able to see if your gophers there can find some some holes behind the linebacker on those play-action zone reads that P.J. Fleck likes to run. You know, as immaculate as they were offensively, they were pretty human, pretty decent, but not great on the defensive side. So 
that's a very rough rundown of Ohio State. I think you've got a lot of really talented guys that makes Ohio State. We know that they reload every year, even when they have young guys. They have freshmen that get hyped and playing time, and usually means they're incredible. But Eric, game's coming up Thursday. It's Monday, August 30th, as we report this. What are you looking for for your Gophers on on Thursday night? They host the Ohio State Buckeyes. Well, so the Ohio State's a 14-point favorite. I know we chat a little. You think they may cover, uh, the Gophers may cover the spread, right? That's what your prediction is? I, I think so, yeah. I, I think this is just going to be a, an absolute slaughter fest. There's no way the Gophers keep this game within 14 points. One of the pleasures of being a Gopher fan is watching, you know, I mean, this is not a game they should win, but watching P.J. Flex face during these types of games because – you could just see him like breaking inside. Oh, so, really? Um, yeah, you could just see it because you know he's obviously just not. His, it's like his brain can't accept that they're losing. And in games like this, where they're just getting blown out, you could just see his like entire soul crushing. And that's oh, interesting. Fun. So you see his face. He's always got this maniacal positivity on his face, right? When I look at right. him, I never see him break anything, but. It's great. It's going to be great. That's what I see in his face. You're run, saying you're looking runs up and down the, Yeah, you can see it. You can almost see it when they zoom in on him after. In games where they're getting blown out. It's, if it's a close game, he's, you, you know, in his mind, he thinks they're going to win no matter what. And, you know, would never concede anything. But in games where they're just getting drilled. And it hasn't happened much, honestly, with him as the head coach. But I think Thursday is going to be one of those games where it's just. They're just getting outmanned from beginning to end, and you can see it on his face, and it's it's kind of fun to watch. All right, Eric, I'm going to try to give you – if I'm picking out three things to watch, the first is going to be the passing game, the Gophers passing yeah, game. Yeah, so, Tanner Moore, like, can he, can he compete against, like, you know, maybe the best team in the country? The, is he a, a high-caliber high quarterback? Here's what I would be looking for. Even if, you know, the Gophers don't win, and I don't think they will – be looking for what kind of productivity can he have against, again, this, the linebacking core is green. You've got Ibrahim, who's incredible, and is going to be a pretty big focal point, I would assume, for Ohio State's game plan to stop. I think there will be some plays behind those linebackers, on those little crossers, seam routes. You can get them out of position. You can also get some big plays for Ibrahim. So I, the well, recipe starts with that passing game, hitting some big plays with Ohio State, maybe – out of position, not quite ready, a little cut, cut flat-footed. Tanner Morgan has a really nice game. He obviously avoids the dumb mistakes and turnovers. But it, it sounds know? like uh, Ottman Bell's probably not going to play, right? You know, he he's day-to-day, -day, last I saw. Yeah, so yeah. he's day-to-day. -day. Sure, that hurts. That's a fair point. He is. He's their best receiver. Oh, yeah, by far the most established yeah. guys. And if he doesn't play, that hurts depth, and there's less quality options to exploit. Some of those guys maybe who aren't will be as the Gophers haven't Gophers haven't beat Ohio State since what like 2000 I think it's I, been a that, long time. Yeah, it doesn't happen. I mean, Over I was beating Ohio State twice in the 21st. I know. I, I was going to ask you about because that was that was probably one of your favorite moments in Hawkeye modern Hawkeye history, right? The beating Ohio State. It was great. I actually was at a wedding when that game happened, so I didn't get to watch it all. We were getting updates. People were cheering happily. But like that meant more. That meant more to you than you know winning some crappy bowl game, right? Like oh, beating course. Ohio State. 
Well, yeah, bowl games are kind of dumb. They, I don't know how else to say it. Unless you're playing in a championship game or you're playing in the playoff, it's all kind of dumb. Now, maybe it's more fun if you're playing another really great team and you're trying to get – but it's pointless. The regular season is where all the meat is at. That's where the meat and the big college football sandwich is. I'm already full by the time the bowl games come around. And they're nice, but the stakes are so low, I don't, it's tough to care. You know, this is like the exact opposite of, of NCAA basketball, right? Where the regular season happens, but then it's really all about the tournament. So, yeah, oh yeah, beating Ohio State is super meaningful. That's one of those games you remember because they don't happen often. And it's super exciting, super fun. And you're beating a team that's more talented than your team. Let, let me ask you this. If if you're, like, if it's not Iowa, Ohio State, if it's Ohio State against anybody else, do you root for them to lose? Pretty much, yeah. Unless there's yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I, I, I don't care who they're playing, even if it's another Big Ten team. I generally hope they lose. Yeah, it gets it gets tricky when we're talking Ohio State versus Nebraska. That's like my real Sophie's Choice moment where I have to figure out, geez, I rationally hate Ohio State. I irrationally hate Nebraska. It's one of those ones where it's kind of like playing with house money. Nebraska pulls the upset. It's super embarrassing for Ohio State. It makes Nebraska fans, it would make them super, it hasn't happened, it would make them super insufferable. But then if they get clobbered, Nebraska gets clobbered, it's really fun. No, I, I pretty much well, unless, unless I Ohio needed State's... them to beat a team that would give I like sure if they're playing Wisconsin and Wisconsin needs to lose for I would go to the Big Ten West Championship or something. That would be about right. the scenario where it'd be like, okay, go Ohio State. But like, they're like they're generally the villains of the Big Ten. I mean, just because they're so much better. I mean, they just have better oh, teams yeah. always. They they are it is their conference. They've won the last like four Big Ten championships. It's their league since since Michigan fell off the face of the earth, it's been Ohio State's league. Yeah, no, you cheer against them all the time. Uh, they're they're the bullies. They're the the boss you want to beat the best. Uh, it's fun to see somebody else win a championship other than Ohio State, but it just doesn't happen. So yes, oh yeah, I will definitely be. Ho- I hope to go for full off America website and and just to segue to that back to that. I mean, I do think there's plays to be made for this go for offense. I think there there are going to be opportunities for some of these Ibrahim. And in the passing game, if Ottman Bell plays especially, to exploit what might not be a fantastic Ohio State defense. Although, who knows? Maybe they'll be great. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. The recipe starts with Tanner Morgan having a really productive game. He throws for 250, 300 yards, gets a couple of big passing plays, gets one or two cheap touchdowns. Gophers are in business. So I think the Gophers are going to put up some points. That's where I'm coming from and maybe where you disagree, Eric. Do you? How many points do you think the Gophers are going to score in this game? I mean, I could see them maybe scoring a touchdown or two. Oh, God. Okay. But, yeah, I, I mean, I really think Ohio State's going to run up the score on them. And so you just, think maybe they, they score? There were games last year. Yes. There were games last year where Tanner Morgan just looked completely shelled. I could see that happening here with Ohio State. I guess. I mean, the Gophers have played Ohio State for a few years, so they really, they've really been pretty lucky under, under P.J. Fleck in terms of schedule and not playing these, like, top-tier teams. I don't Has Fleck played Ohio State? Are you saying Iowa is not a top-tier team? That's bullshit, man. Well, I mean, they're playing them every year. Has he beat Iowa? No, he's had like three cracks at it. I know. I'm just giving you shit. Um, yeah, it's fine. So, I, so you think? So I just want to again. I got. I got it. We got it. I'm predicting blowout. I'm predicting blowout. Predicting blowout. You think the Gophers score 14 points and Ohio State like don't say some stupid number like 500. Well, what? How many points do you think the Buckeyes score? More than four. You know, more than 28. I, th- I would say 30. Like 33 to 14, something like that. That's. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You and I are very much not seeing this the same way. See, I think the Gophers are going to score. Like, even if Ohio State See, 
if I lived in the state of if I lived in the state of Iowa like you, I would put some money on that. But I can't because I live in the state of Minnesota and we can't legally bet on sports. But the uh, thing about sports is you honestly don't know anything at all. You know, this is why gamblers, if they have like a point five five advantage, they take it. But that still only means like fifty five percent of the time they're correct. So I, I don't have money to bet. I'm not super stoked about it. But I, if I had to bet, I would say the Gophers cover. See, I think the Gophers are going to score twenty eight ish points. Whoa. Okay. Wow. I think they're going to score. Their offensive line is really good. So I do think they're going to have some success negating Ohio State's fierce pass rush. Maybe without their best uh, receiver. Sure. Okay. All right. Sure. Well, that's so that's like, I I, I don't think the Gophers are going to stop Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to score more than you think. Like, absolutely. I think Ohio State's going to break 40, probably. I mean, so I'm in the ballpark of like, eh, let's call it. Like 42 to, like, I guess I have to say 31 if they're covering the spread. Something like that. Or, you know, 28 to 38. Something like that. I think, I mean, you know, C.J. Stroud's first big game. He's playing in Minnesota. Is the game sold out, Eric? I don't, it seems like a game that should be a sellout. Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Like, you know. can't sell out a home game on Thursday night against the Buckeyes. I don't know. Yeah, that's that'd be, that'd be tough. Can't get more exciting draws than that. Um, but, I mean, this COVID... Is that, does that factor in to ticket sales? Yeah, maybe. No, yeah. is a different state than Iowa, for sure. And maybe slightly different views from its citizens about whether you should attend a game. But, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Well, that was my, my point one is Tanner Morgan. I, I want to see what kind of game he has. Point number two is can the Gophers get any juice at all out of their defense? They were not very good last year. Can they be improved? And if they, so this is a game where if, if Minnesota holds the Buckeyes under 30 points, I would be like, that's even if they lose, I would view that as a really great takeaway. Like, oh, man, they held what I think is a really good offense to under 30 points. That would be a big win. I, I would view that as. And you think the Gophers are going to score 33, which is a weird number anyway. 33 points? Uh, Ohio State, you mean? Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. See, that would even be a bad defensive performance against what they did. True, I mean, it's their offense has... Well, they got a new quarterback. Ohio State's got a new quarterback. C.J. Stroud throws a couple interceptions, refumbles. Yeah, they'll take it slow. They'll run a lot. It'll be a lot, lot of you know running downs and quarterback runs. They're not going to light it up. Oh, interesting. So you think they won't need to. And they're going to lean on their defense, shutting down the Gophers. Wow, we, yeah, we see this yeah. thing totally different. Okay, well, I was going to see. So, it, but watch for P.J. Flex face. That's all. That's the only thing I would say when you're watching the game. Look at his face when they give so you that see, close up. Look at past the facade and see that he's really having trouble yeah. conjuring up the demons and to just give him the energy. A little darkness, my old friends playing over when you look at him and it zooms Underneath in on him. Underneath his plastic smile. Okay. Yep. Got it. My last point was just going to be Ibrahim. He, he could also just control the game on the ground. If he can eke out long drives, that would mitigate Ohio State's offense and limit Ohio State's chances at scoring. You know, this is one of those ones where I think you do want to slow it down and try to minimize the amount of reps that the Ohio State offense gets because they're going to get better the more chances they get but i can't remember a game where like a running back took over against ohio state it just it never happens to them where they were just getting run i mean did even saquon barkley take over and just dominate ohio state you are the that. saquon barkley fanboy so that would be a question you would answer I, I am not uh nearly as versed in ohio state's history against running backs. I mean, Iowa doesn't play them every year either, so I, I don't have a great feel. They're not a team. I don't uh, know. Funny, got... 
I just Googled it, and uh, the first is a video of Saquon Barkley returning the opening kick for a touchdown against Ohio State. Maybe he did all right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm trying Ohio to State stuff. won, though. They won. Ohio State won. Well, but you're, it's all a game of percentages. It's not, like, guaranteed that you're going to win. But, I mean, Wisconsin has to have successfully done that at some point where they grind the game out, give it to one of their many NFL running backs, Melvin Gordon or Jonathan Taylor, somebody doing more of those just grinded out games. And this had to have happened some more. Like, it's not, they can't be like everybody's like, we got to play. I said, you know what? We got to pass it. We no. got to just yeah, throw they, it. Times. They bottled up Barkley. 21 carries for 44 yards against Ohio State. That's what I mean. It seems like even these great running backs, which Ibrahim may be, I mean, he, at the end of the day, he may be an All-American running back. Like, it seems like whenever those types of running backs go up against Ohio State, they just get shut down. And Saquon Barkley, maybe the best running back we've seen in the Big Ten in the last 10 years, is, a, oh, is, is an exact completely yeah. shut well, down. So, Eric, I would yards. say this has to do less with how great a running back is and, and more how it's easy for a talented defense to shut down a really great running game. Yeah, but, no, but you mentioned, you know, the, the five-star, like everybody on their defense is five-star guys. It's sure. not just their quarterbacks and position players. Like they're, they're linemen, they're... You, you said their linebackers may be weak, but those guys are all, like, top-tier recruits. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they're not athletic. My point wasn't that they're athletic or lumbering or slow or not strong. My point is just that they haven't had a lot of experience, so they could potentially make mistakes. Play a little slow, not because they're athletic, because they just aren't used to the pace of the game and have good eye discipline and that kind of thing. Sure. So, yes, they're, they're talented, but the defense last year wasn't amazing. People scored points on them also. Yeah, but, but the, yeah, gopher defense was also not great. Well, right. That's why my, one of my, my three things to look out for is can the Gophers be approaching mediocrity with defense? If they if they, if they can be decent, I think if they can hold Ohio State under 30 points, they really would have it. If, if I knew Ohio State was going to score under 30 points against this Gopher squad, I would think there would be a real upset alert. That's what I'm going to go and say. If, if they held them under 30, I don't think they will. But I think, man, if you held this Buckeye team under 30, you'd have a shot. So I, I think there's there's going to be plays to be had against this defense. But maybe not. Maybe they're all going to be studs and Super Bowl coach and in position. Of course, who knows? They're stacked. So your final prediction is 33 to 14? Sure. So they cover the spread. That is 19 points they win by. Yes. I'm going to go with 30. I'm going to go with 28 to 38. That the Buckeyes are winning. That's going to be me. I think the Gophers are going to. Pour it on. And see, even if the Buckeyes are up by 28 points, I mean, P.J. Flack is going to keep his starters in and keep attacking. Easily, I think, pick up 14 points of garbage time alone, even if it's a blowout. So it just seems like a pretty low estimate. But we'll see. I'll be looking forward to seeing how your Gophers do. Sorry, that, that's our prediction. Those are the things I'm watching for. All right, we are going to move on to the game you guys really care about. Hawkeyes taking on the Hoosiers. So let me work on giving you the skinny for this one. We're going to start with Ty Freifogel. If you don't know that name, he was the Big Ten wide receiver of the year last year for the Hoosiers. He was incredible. He had like three touchdowns, 200 yards on, on seven catches against Ohio State last year. He was the biggest reason why Indiana almost upset the Buckeyes and the probably the single biggest reason I'm worried about this game. They also have the Hendershot as the tight end, and he's also a really, really solid option. And the other guys are probably really good, but those are the, the that position group is the most scary, I think, on his paper. Not far behind. It's, of course, the quarterback, Mike Penix, who is coming off of an ACL injury. Penix. Penix, Penix that's right. right. With an X. Penix. Okay. No, I said Mike Penix. Just don't, don't want you to slip up on that. Mike Penix. 
No, yeah, we're talking about Mike Penix right now. That's the thing we're discussing. Was that not clear? Do you think I was talking about no, I, Mike I got Penix? No, it. No, it sounded clear. Okay, got it. Okay. On the same page. So, so Mike Penix, he, he was having he, a really great second year. Second team, all Big Ten last yeah, year. Yeah, and he tore his ACL. Otherwise, he was doing excellent. He's really on, on lockstep with Mr. Freifogel. He's really, really elevated that offense. Also very, very scary. The thing we'll have to keep in mind, he's coming off an easy yeah. injury. If he's a little, little tepid at first, who knows? This will be a game actually for some you know, opposing crowd. That's something else going on. But he's also another reason to be very terrified of the Hoosier offense. And then we've got uh, running back. So Stephen Carr, uh, who Hawkeye fans will know for his relatively lackluster performance in the Holiday Bowl in late 2019 for when he was uh, playing for USC. Transfer, he's going to probably have the, the bulk of the carries. He'll probably use a committee for a lot of this stuff. But he'll get most of the carries. Um, he's going to be starting running back, and he seems fine. I think Tim Baldwin and David Ellis are the other two dudes on there. So it should be fine. I, I don't know that I'm particularly terrified of them running the ball. More like them getting the ball on the edge, maybe, or trying to attack the linebackers. But less scary than the wide receiver quarterback combo. And last, if there's one big weakness on the, not just offense, but for the Hoosiers overall, it's their offensive line. The Hoosiers offensive line was not great last year. It's one of the situations where they're turning four out of five guys. So... You know, you're returning experience, but they weren't great. So if they get better, sure. If not, you're returning some not stellar dudes. That's going to be the, the biggest hurdle for the Hoosiers and the biggest opportunity for the Hawkeyes is going against that offensive line where Iowa's own defensive line has, has got some green guys and rotational guys who are going to get a lot more snaps this year. But being able to attack what might be a pretty shaky offensive line be a real opportunity to slow down what could be a pretty dynamic offense otherwise. Moving on to defense, they have an absolutely stellar, stellar, stellar secondary. So Taiwan Mullen is the big draw. He's going to be an NFL draft pick. All Big Ten corner. He's really, really good. Uh, the other guy, I think Reese Taylor, is also no, not shabby at all. They've got a couple of really talented safe, uh, safeties in Devin Matthews and Raheem Lane. Great last name there. Um, yeah. And uh, they're very, very good. They're actually super aggressive. In, in eight games last year, they had five and a half sacks, so they do send their corners on blitzes. Really would expect them to lean heavily on those aggressive corners and leave them on man coverage and really try to rattle Spencer Peters. I think it's a, the biggest concern right there is the defense's mistakes, really good coverage, and those corners coming off the edge unblocked to just ruin our Saturday. But also really, really excellent are the linebackers. Micah McFadden is a senior I don't know if he's inside or outside, but he's going to be drafted as well. He's incredible, as is Cam Jones. Also, just a really, really great back seven. So they're going to be able to play downhill. They're going to be able to attack the running backs. Really, really, really anxious about those dudes coming in and just crashing those stretch zone runs that Iowa loves to run that people seem to have figured out several years ago, but we keep running. So that's a little anxiety-inducing. But maybe there are plays for the running back, uh, you know, the tight end to make, maybe Goodson and... Laporte can, can attack. Uh, defensive line is going to be familiar, too. They're breaking in some new faces there. They have some transfers who are coming in to bolster that. So they have experience elsewhere, uh, other schools. So we'll see how well they, they play. That's another little mystery for them is their defensive line, which is going to sound kind of familiar to Iowa. I think some similar structure there. So being able to attack that defensive line also, very, very boring observation to make about Iowa football, but being able to attack the defensive line and control the line of scrimmage is really, really huge. But that's where hopefully they can give time for, for Petrus to play. All right. So Hoosiers, Eric, they are, you said, three and a half point underdogs against Iowa this Saturday at 2.30. Yeah. 
Yep, three and a half points. You know, the way the way you broke down Indiana, I'd be a little scared. I like you said, the secondary had had, you know, what three three uh big all big ten D backs. I'd be a little scared. I, oh, I, I still the guy was gonna win. Oh, I'm scared for sure, but there, there's a lot of things to give me peace here. One, I think it's going to be close either way, and I think there's going to be probably a pretty gross defensive slugfest. I think it's going to be tough for both teams to move the ball. The biggest thing is just big plays that they can limit Freifogel and keep, you know, Phoenix, you know, Mike Phoenix, Phoenix. Uh, from, yeah, Phoenix from from getting less lo- let loose. Yeah, you know, this is this is, seems like one of those games. Ference always has. It seems like just about every year. One of those like early season games where they, it's really close and they just like sort of claw their way with a victory at the very end, you know, or they sometimes they lose those games that you look back at the end of the season you're like, man, if they had just maybe missed a, it didn't miss a field goal or if they had picked up a first down or something like it, it sort of really is a big blemish on their record at the end of the year. This seems like one of those games that could, uh, looking back on it, could either be like, wow, I'm so glad they won, or just one of those gut-wrenching losses. Well, yeah, so Iowa has lost more of those close games than one. So that's the that's the one thing under the Ferentz era is their record in close games is certainly less than 500, which is, is frustrating. But every special season that Iowa ever has, they win those games. Those coin flip games go to Iowa, which is what I'm telling myself going into this Indiana game. If they win it, they might be setting the stage up for a special season. If they lose, though, Iowa's not hosed. It isn't going to... It isn't going to break their season. It could help make it, but I don't think it's going to break it. They're going to get better. Uh, you know, the, the lost. Kyle Schlott is out because he he hurt his foot bailing hay, which <laughs> get ready for a bunch of annoying stories every week about, oh, whoa, bailing hay. How about the hell's that for an Iowa injury? Oh, oh, oh. get ready for those commenters to make those dumb jokes for the next few weeks. But he'll get back from injury in time for probably the Maryland game, certainly the back half of the Big Ten West, all those Big Ten West games in the back half of the schedule. So even if they go 0-2, I, I, you know, I think Iowa can win the Big Ten going 9-3 and with two losses as long as they beat Wisconsin. That's going to be the most important game on the schedule. Because if they go 7-2 and in the Big Ten, I think Ohio, I think Wisconsin's going to probably lose one more game. They have the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. That's probably enough to get a spot in the Big Ten West Championship. So if they start 0-2, I mean, the, people are going to freak out. That's what I was saying. That's the one thing. One thing you can't do is start out 0-2. You can't lose to Indiana and then lose to Iowa State. That just can't happen. It can't. Well, I think I was going to beat Indiana, but if they went 0-2, people would be really apoplectic from Iowa's perspective, but I'm not going to be fretting that too much yet. It's just those games aren't as, are as important as the last. If they go 9-3 and three with a loss to Indiana, Iowa State, and some non-Wisconsin Big Ten team, like and the they go to the Big Ten, sure, fine. <laughs> but I, I would rather Iowa go 9-3 and three and make to the Big Ten West you know, the Big Ten title game, then go ten and two and not. You know, I that's that's the goal. That's what I want to see happen. And this them losing to Indiana and Iowa State won't. Three things I'm watching out for here. First is Tyler Goodson. I am very I am all aboard the Tyler Goodson hype train, Eric. I he's as excited uh, uh, I'm as excited about Tyler Goodson as a, a running back for Iowa as it been for just about anybody. I think he's got all the same wiggle as Wadley, the power of Sean Green, just a combination of both. Fantastic vision. I'm really excited to see him be the guy this year. We'll see what happens. I hope Brian Ferentz figures out how to maximize his, his playmaking ability. Because I think if they're going to beat Indiana, it's going to be Tyler Goodson's going to be doing a lot of clock chewing, grinding out yards, catching ball on screens, and getting it out in space and making guys miss. 
he's really incredible. So I think that's my first thing I really want to see is Tyler Goodson have a great year. Another thing is kind of apropos of this discussion, this is like a, a low-pressure game for the defensive line. We don't know how good Iowa's defensive line is going to be. If the defensive line stinks, they probably can't be a great defense. If they're decent, they can be a pretty good defense. And if they're above average or better, then they can have a really excellent— I mean, the defensive line is going to decide how great Iowa's defense is. And if they can get pressure against a kind of— they're a little place to make against this Hoosier front, you know, offensive line. They can get some, some pressure on, on Phoenix, Mike Phoenix, and contain him in the pocket, keep him from gashing them with legs, and especially they have to limit the big plays. They cannot give up those massive passing plays to Fry Fogel. Uh, that would be a really good sign if they can get a lot of a really good pass rush. It'd be really, really exciting to see this, this early because I think they'll get better. And so if they're already hitting the ground running, that would be a big sign. Uh, you know, uh, the last thing I just want to see is the Hawkeyes in Kinnick with fans. This is my big X factor, Eric. I'm not a big fan of of random things like X factors or luck or arbitrary things, but I, I just I just feel like this is this is just totally not rational. Sixty thousand screaming, haven't been to a game in two years. It just feels like those breaks, those little breaks that need to happen, little things, just that play here or there, they're just gonna cut Iowa's way and they're gonna walk away with a win. And that's kind of what I'm just, I'm sorry you won't get to watch it. No, it, it'll be on in my house. I can right. guarantee that. Yeah, that, that is, a, you know, the no fans thing. I mean, the Iowa fans love those those games so much. Yeah, you're right. I think after a year of not being there, it's going to be a sight to see for sure. Yeah, it'll be emotional seeing that wave. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, uh, I am I'm really stoked. I, it was, so I don't know. So give me, Eric, give me your gopher fan perspective. I feel like I've done a lot more of the talking here, running my mouth with my weird breakdowns of teams. What do you, you think? Know, it does seem like maybe a high high scoring game. You know, like you said, both offenses. I think you know, running backs, wide receivers. You know, but it's, it feels like one of those things, like like a late set can field goal, maybe even an overtime game, just where they claw their way to a victory. The fans, I think, help, like you said. So was it three and a half points? So. I don't know, maybe within the spread or not, but a close game, late second score wins it for Iowa. That would be my prediction. Okay, give me give me a numbers. I, I want I want to you to pick a score. He says it's gonna be high scoring. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't know, like 35-38, something like that. <laughs> Man, you and I again, we are we're seeing this. I think it's gonna be a, a lower, much lower scoring slog than that. I mean, I think maybe 28-24. I would almost go something like 24-21 Iowa. Just right around that spread, one score game. I, I don't I don't think either team breaks thirty. I just think defenses are gonna limit too many big plays. And of course the, the worry is always Spencer Petrus. I mean, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of opportunities to make passing the game, passing the ball. But when there are, if you can catch him with a blitz and somebody gets open, trick him on a play action pass, when you really he's gonna really hit those opportunities. There's one or two deep shots a game that Petrus is gonna have. But I, 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 yeah, I guess I'll be, I'll be surprised if teams go over 30. But I, I just think the, the defenses are, are too good to let those teams run wild. But we'll see. I, I hope you're right about the income. So you, you think the outcome, the income, the outcome. You said 35-31. I'm going to go with 24-21. Just inside the spread. All right. I think that, that just about does it, Eric. Did you watch the Nebraska-Illinois game by chance? Probably I did not. Didn't even know what was happening. Oh, it was glorious. It was it was this beautiful orchestra of ineptitude. Nebraska missed two extra points. They had a guy 
run backwards, feel the punt on the one, go into the end zone, just a knee on the goal line for a safety. Wow. Wide open receivers were missed by Adrian Martinez. Like, he overthrew a guy that's 6'9". That's just staggeringly bad. A guy took away an interception for Nebraska because he launched at the quarterback. Meanwhile, Fox's coverage was terrible. They got graphics wrong and names wrong, and they didn't get the right angles, and it was really visible. But it was just it was beautiful to watch Nebraska lose to Illinois. It is just, It was just magical. I'm yeah, there goes see. your irrational hate for Nebraska. Oh, it's it's there. Oh, it was I was I was giddy. It was just good. And and the the kicker was Illinois was on their second string quarterback because their starter got like a collarbone injury in like the second quarter. And their guy their quarterback was a transfer from Rutgers. The guy couldn't get playing time at Rutgers, one of the worst college football teams, one of the worst FBS football teams in all of college football. Couldn't get playing, so he transferred to Illinois. And that guy Beat the Cornhuskers. Oh, it's just just glorious. Let the schadenfreude begin. I am so jazzed for college football's back.